Hi there, Harry from Witch here. Our research has found that millions of families are skipping meals to survive the cost of living crisis. And our figures show that over 8 in 10 people in the UK are having to make adjustments to save money on food. With the price of essential products soaring, we believe that supermarkets have to step up to the plate to help us all. That's why we've launched the Affordable Food for All campaign, calling on the big supermarkets to take action and make a real difference to communities across the UK. If you agree and would like to join our campaign, then sign our petition at witch.co.uk slash affordable dash food and use the hashtag affordable food for all on social media. Thank you. Welcome to The Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. So it's not specific types of food that are getting more expensive at the moment that's behind this, but the prices of feed, fertiliser and fuel. Levels of food insecurity are absolutely skyrocketing at the minute. So it is a real concern that this is all just feeding into the situation we see. Are you missing some of your favourite fruit and veg? Because empty shelves are the latest hit for supermarket shoppers, with shortages popping up across the country. And of course, this is all set against the backdrop of soaring grocery inflation. Just this week, the market insight firm Kantar reported that one quarter of people are struggling with rising food prices. So this week, we're going to unpack the latest on supermarket shopping. What's behind the recent shortages, exactly by how much food prices are rising, and which food are getting the most expensive. We'll also be discussing the accusations around whether supermarkets are profiteering and how the food industry needs to change, as well as tips to help you save where you can. It's a jam-packed show this week, and to take us through it, I'm very happy to say I'm joined by which retail expert, Marianne Kalnan, and Rebecca Toby from the charity, The Food Foundation. Hello both, welcome. Hello. Hi. Now, I think we have to start with food shortages and rationing. Our listeners may well have seen it in the news recently, maybe even experienced it in their local supermarket. But before we get your take on it, let's head to the supermarkets. Here's our reporter, Callum Rowe, with his supermarket experience earlier this week in the northeast of England. Today, I'm going to be heading into a few supermarkets and stores to see what the fruit and veg shortages are like in reality. I'm starting off at the supermarket Morrison's, so let's head inside and see what it's like. I'm in Morrison's now, and the, the impact is clear to see straight away. There's a lot of empty spaces. Uh, first of all, simply no apples. I'm looking around every variety imaginable. There's nothing there at all. Looking around a bit further, oranges. Mm, yeah, there's one variety and two boxes available, but even those oranges aren't the best I've ever seen in my life. I've made my way over to the tomatoes now, and uh, as I was getting there, I saw nothing, and a member of staff just dropped one box of piccolo tomatoes onto the shelves. There's literally one packet of tomatoes, and that is all. And right next to it are uh, one solo packet of red peppers. Really feeling the impact in Morrison's for tomatoes and peppers. Thank you for shopping 
gonna jump in the car and head elsewhere and see if the trend continues. I've pulled up outside a Marks and Spencer's food hall and I've picked M&S for a reason. In October last year, we at Witch carried out a survey of customers at UK supermarkets and M&S scored highest in the overall customer satisfaction score at 77% and it was rated four out of five stars by those customers based on its stock availability. So with that in mind, I'm actually quite hopeful of being able to find some fruit and vegetable essentials. Okay, I'm inside now and it's a good first impression. Uh, a wide variety of apples and oranges, which is a good start. Walking further around. Okay, this is good. Yeah, all the fruit that you'd expect to see. I want to have a look at the salad now, because that's where Morrison's really struggled. And yeah, okay, it's the, it's the same here. It's the same here as well. There are... Now, I remember when I said in Morrison's, there was one pack of tomatoes that was being put back by a member of staff. There is not one pack of tomatoes anywhere to be seen. That's really, really surprising. Here we are then at the co-op. Now, the reason I've come here is because in the same witch survey I mentioned before we went into M&S, the co-op only scored 61% in overall customer satisfaction. And crucially, in stock availability, those customers only marked it two out of five stars. So I'm not expecting a great deal, but I'm hopeful I might be surprised. Okay, we're inside now and first impressions are really good. There is, it is, yeah, I'll be honest, it's got a smaller range. It is more of a convenience style uh, co-op branch, but there's everything here that I've not seen anywhere else. Great varieties of apples, uh, other lettuces, there's loads of lettuces, uh, tomatoes, yes, tomatoes. Now the only thing that's letting this one down is the fact there are no mixed salad bags or bags of spinach, crunchy salads, things like that. But everything else, top marks, top marks. So Marianne, a shortage of tomatoes, little salad. From Callum's outing, it seems to show a similar story across the board. Can we start with what's behind it all and how long we can expect this to last? So the shortages are largely the result of extreme weather that's been happening recently in both Spain and North Africa. And um, both are places where the UK imports around 95% of its tomatoes mm-hmm. and 90% of its lettuces in the winter months. And that's according to figures from the British Retail Consortium. And the BRC says that the shortages are expected to last a few weeks until the UK's growing season begins and the supermarkets find alternative sources of supply. But there have been whispers of it being slightly shorter than that and slightly longer than that. And what about rationing? Are supermarkets rationing what they put on the shelves? Yes, several are rationing a few items. So we've got Aldi, Asda, Morrisons and Tesco who have introduced purchase limits for some of their fruit and veg lines. So Asda said that it's capping the sales of some of its items, including tomatoes, peppers and lettuce at three per customer. And Morrison's has introduced limits 
of two on products like cucumbers in its stores. And Rebecca, with these supply chain disruptions to some fruit and veg, are there any wider implications here? Because I know the Food Foundation is doing a lot of amazing work around our consumption of veg or lack of. We're just not getting enough of it, are we? No, that's right. So I think, you know, even before the cost of living crisis and, and you know, the, the current fruit and veg shortage, only about a third of adults were getting their fibre day. And that figure mm-hmm. is actually even lower in some groups, say particularly sort of school age children and, and low income households um, eat um, considerably less fruit and veg than than ideally they would. Um, and I think what's worrying is that, you know, the cost of living crisis has exacerbated this. Um, we've got research um, from surveys that show almost half of low income households are cutting back on fruit and veg as a direct response to, to food prices um, increasing. And so we're really worried that, you know, there is a concern that these current shortages not only kind of create extra barriers in terms of how people can access fruit and veg, but the longer the shortages go on, the more of a chance there is that it will impact on prices and push them up sort of further, which obviously does impact disproportionately on on certain groups. And if we bring cost into the mix too, it's quite a dreary picture, isn't it? You know, we've talked about the Which Food Inflation Tracker before on the show, which is a huge piece of research we released looking solely at inflation for popular supermarket food and drink. And it reveals so many really interesting insights to help with your shopping. Now, if we take the overall figure of inflation first, we found that in the one month to the 31st of January, inflation was at an eye-watering 15.9%. Marianne, what foods are behind this and which are getting the most expensive? So it's not specific types of food that are getting more expensive at the moment that's behind this, but the prices of feed, fertiliser and fuel, which are all needed to produce food and drink. Their prices have risen dramatically due to the war in Ukraine, and that's coupled with the knock-on effects of disruption during the coronavirus pandemic and spiralling energy and labour costs to top it all off. And unfortunately, it's the cheapest lines that are going up the most, isn't it? Ranges that might be called the value or essentials are where we've seen the highest rate of inflation. Yeah, that's correct, unfortunately. So we found that branded food and drink has a lower inflation rate than own label lines. So branded items are rising at 13.2%, while own brand budget items at, are at 21.6% year on year, and that's in the month to the end of January 2023. And Rebecca, what do you make of these figures that branded items are rising at a much slower rate than own label budget items? Yeah, I think it is a real concern. I mean, I think what we are seeing is that people are shifting into the discounters and trading down on on products where they can. Um, so it's definitely a lot that retailers you know, ought to be doing to, to support and sort of insulate those low-cost budget staples from from the worst of inflation rises. And I think what was interesting to see was um, when the ONS released some data last year looking at sort of um, everyday uh, budget ranges, and there was just such a huge discrepancy in terms of products within that. So at the time, um, pasta, for example, had increased, you know, about 60%, which is far greater than the average rate of, um, of inflation. And, and those are for sort of basic items that, you know, a lot of households rely on. So that is concerning. Um, and, you know, we know when when families struggle to afford those basics and, you know, they either cut back, they skip meals, um, food insecurity, um, levels of food insecurity are absolutely skyrocketing at the minute. Um, so it is a real concern that this is all just feeding into the situation we see whereby more and more households are, are slipping into food insecurity. 
And there's been a lot of talk around suspicions that supermarkets are profiteering or the concept of greedflation, essentially that the food industry suppliers and supermarkets are using this inflationary landscape to boost their profits. It's an accusation that understandably there's a lot of heat and emotion around given so many people are struggling. And in fact, just yesterday, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Kantar put out a figure on this and reported that one quarter of British shoppers are struggling as grocery prices soar. So, so Rebecca, what do you think about this? Are supermarkets cashing in on the cost of living crisis? Well, I mean, that's a, a big question. I think um, mm. I think we do know that a lot of growers and producers of food are really struggling at the minute. Um, part of that is they are they're not getting um, enough money from from retailers to cover their input costs. Um, but it, you know, we do also know that uh, supermarkets are investing often quite heavily on price at the minute. It's becoming increasingly, um, you know, where supermarkets are having to compete with one another. You know, it's no longer necessarily about brand loyalty. Customers are looking for for you know what what they can get and how they can stretch their their budgets um but i do think um you know one thing we are concerned about is um the high levels of food insecurity a that we're seeing across the country so our latest data which was released today actually shows that um levels of food insecurity in in children has doubled um in the year to january um so that's 21 22% of households with children have experienced food insecurity in the past month and those levels are obviously far too high um, and will have long-term implications on the health of, of many. But I think what's also a concern is that, um, you know, we know that a lot of workers in the retail sector are themselves experiencing food insecurity. There is quite a discrepancy between levels of executive pay and average workers' pay. So currently none of the supermarkets, um, the, the major supermarkets in the UK, are accredited living wage payers. Um, so we'd, we'd like to see much more, um, you know, support, you know, starting off with their own staff in terms of helping them to, to access food. And just while we're on this point of food insecurity, especially among children, are there any initiatives run by, say, supermarkets or, or elsewhere to help those struggling at the moment? So a number of supermarkets are um, offering, for example, free lunches and free meals during holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing we're doing at the Food Foundation at the minute is trying to... Um, Think about what clear us can be made of, of supermarkets and certainly it would be great for example to see more of them supporting and promoting schemes like the healthy star scheme which is a government scheme that aims to provide um, very low-income families with with little kids with funds to, to spend on healthy basics such as fruit and veg formula and cow's milk Thanks, Rebecca. Incredibly worthwhile cause. Um, And and to go back then to the suspicions around supermarkets at the moment, well, looking at a recent witch survey too, it's clear to see that shoppers are losing trust in supermarkets. The latest witch consumer insight survey shows that recent price rises have coincided with a drop in trust in this sector, haven't they, Marianne? Yes, that's right. So shoppers' trust in supermarkets has really plummeted. It fell Mm -hmm. from plus 67 in May 2021 to plus 42 now. So trust for the discounters, so that's Aldi and Lidl, tended to be lower than rivals 18 months ago, but it stayed approximately the same during this period, which means it's now higher than average. And on the other hand, we've got Waitrose, which had the lowest level of trust at plus 29 among the 2,000 people that we surveyed. 
Well, it's really interesting to see how that's changed over time. And the idea that supermarkets need to do more is one we're very passionate about here at Which We're working on our campaign called Affordable Food for All, which includes a 10-point plan of steps supermarkets can take to help ensure affordable food is available to everyone who needs it. Marianne, can you tell us more? Sure. So factors like confusing unit pricing and limited ranges of essential budget lines or too few promotions on healthier products are making it difficult for people to be able to shop around in the search for affordable food. So through our Affordable Food for All campaign, we're calling on the big supermarkets to take action and make a real difference to communities across the UK. And what we're doing is that we're calling on them to ensure everyone has easy access to budget food ranges that enable healthy choices, that they have clear pricing so we can easily compare the price of products to get the best value when it comes to confusing unit prices and have promotions that are targeted to supporting people who are most in need. And we'll be sure to get a link to that petition in the description for today's show. So do check that out and sign the petition. And and Rebecca, beyond supermarkets, what would you add on how the UK's food systems need to change? That's a big question, isn't it? Um, Where to start? (laughs) Um, I think one thing that we'd like to see at the Food Foundation Um, that is applicable to all food businesses, including the out-of-home sector and retailers, is um, a great deal more transparency, really, around how food businesses are performing against, um, you know, a range of health and sustainability metrics. So, for example, you know, what are supermarkets doing when it comes to sales of healthier foods or fruit and veg, all those areas that we know are essential. And at the minute, it's quite hard to ascertain, you know, who's doing what and, and where the direction of travel is. So I think, um, you know, if we were to have more transparency and mandatory reporting in place, that would um, that would play a huge part in pushing forward uh, responsible business practice. More generally, we'd like to see um, and rebalance the cost of a basket. So at the minute, the healthier, often more sustainable foods tend to cost a great deal more on a calorie basis than the less healthy foods, uh, about three times as much um, on a calorie basis. So, you know, that needs to change if more people are actually going to be able to eat in a way that is is healthier. Um, and I think, you know, thinking about how we rebalance the food environment and the, and the basket of food should include um, marketing as well. So currently only about 1% of ad spend goes on fruit and veg. Over a third goes on, you know, discretionary foods such as, you know, your sugary, salty, fatty foods. Um, and, and really, we need to flip that so that we change the food environment um, altogether to make it easier for people to access food. That was a big question, wasn't it, Rebecca? And, and as you say, there's a, there's a lot of room for change here. You know, we've heard so much insight into food prices and the industry today. So now I think what's left is for some actionable advice our listeners can take to save money where they can. Um, Marianne and Rebecca, what tips would you like to leave our listeners with today? So my go-to tip is to try not to be too brand loyal when it comes to your food shopping. Um, That's a really key one there. Mm -hmm. And it enables you to keep an eye out for uh, deals that are going on in your supermarket every week or however often you shop. Another great thing to do is to go for in-season food if you can. Avoid convenience stores if you're on a budget because they can be more expensive according to our research. Buy in bulk if you can. Clearly that depends on the space that you have to store huge bags of rice or pasta or whatever it is in your kitchen cupboards mm. and shop at a cheaper supermarket um, if that's convenient for you. So our monthly analysis for February found that Aldi was the cheapest supermarket of that month while Waitrose was the most expensive. 
There are some big savings to be had by just just doing that alone, aren't there? And Rebecca, what would you like to leave our listeners with? Um, well, I think one of my top tips as a nutritionist is I, I think we often put fresh on a bit of a pedestal, but actually mm. frozen or tinned uh, fruit and veg have you know pretty much equivalent nutritional benefits as as fresh versions do, but often come at a much lower price point. Mm. Um, and I think you know pulses and beans as well can be quite an affordable meat substitute. You need know, to swap out a bit of a beef in your in your lasagna for for pulses um and that can support on costs but i think um you know beyond that i think it's important to acknowledge that you know as useful as all these tips are you know there are structural changes that need to be made here as well so you know food poverty is ultimately just a outcome of poverty so you know the government needs to to act as well in in terms of um you know making sure that benefits are are sufficient to allow people to afford a sort of basic healthy diet um, and we need to sort of, you know, rebalance the cost of a healthy basket so that it actually, you know, you don't have to to create a thousand different food budgets and, and um, you know, so significantly change behaviour just to be able to afford a decent amount of food. A huge thank you to Marianne and Rebecca for coming on the show today and to you for listening to this week's episode of the Witch Money Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please do hit subscribe to make sure you catch us again next week. For more money news and advice, find us on social media at Witch Money and online at witch.co.uk forward slash money. And we also have a free money newsletter, which is delivered to your inbox every Monday. To sign up, visit witch.co.uk forward slash money newsletter. This episode of the Witch Money Podcast was written by me, Lucia Ariano, produced by me and Rob Lilly and edited by Rob with additional support from Grace Witherden and Matthew Jenkins.